Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I'm joined by the UK's favourite TV doctor, best-selling author and mental health advocate, Dr. Alex George. Welcome to the Power Hour. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I mean, I just uh, said, it's actually terrible. You shouldn't do that with the podcast. I just said to you before we started the podcast, but I did say that, um, you know, when I was invited on this, I was really excited to, to come on. I mean, you've, what you've done is amazing. I mean, how many years do you say it's been? Almost five. Almost five years. It's a huge you know commitment of time and i know in your podcast you know you talk about you know a lot of things that kind of how you maximize kind of takeaway tips so you kind of maximize your life and get the most from it most from it and you know i think one of the biggest things is committing to things that that are important to you and often you have to put a lot of hard work you talk about you know mental well-being and and uh you know uh, improving your overall well-being a lot of it takes dedication and it's dedication to do nearly five years of a podcast it's hard work so all the listeners you know i hope you i hope you know and appreciate uh, how much work your wonderful host has put into this you know to bring you good guests bring you people that's you know can share hopefully stories that are beneficial to you all so oh, yeah thank you congratulations great thank you so much yeah i love it i feel like the luckiest person i get to sit here and siphon all the wisdom and all the knowledge and all the expertise from wonderful people and the books that they've written and all the things that they do and hopefully yeah siphon that into one hour sometimes a bit more for the listeners of the show mm. and i also before we even get into all of my questions alex i've got to tell you that i have a lovely neighbor he is in his 80s ken shout out to ken i don't shout think he listens ken. yeah don't think he listens to podcasts but he did come and knock on the door uh two weekends ago and uh, all the kids were busy stepkids all running to the front door they're like oh ken's at the door and he said to me you're in the paper and i said oh okay great and he was uh, hopefully like, nothing bad and he's going are you famous are you famous i said no ken i'm, I'm not famous anyway it it was a there was an article in the paper that said podcast that will change your life and underneath motivation it had power hour which was lovely to see and then your podcast was just a few few uh, i think of the same page and 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 ken was going through all the different podcasts and looking at them and i said yeah actually I said that's a doctor dr alex he's coming on the on the podcast very soon so my uh, stepkids my son everybody was really excited about the fact that awesome. we were in the papers together wow that's really awesome thank you and uh, <laughs> I, I mean look it, it is one of those things podcast it does as i said it, it requires commitment but um you know i think we're, we're both are very proud of what what we're what we're doing and i think you know in many ways we share you know um a similar goal to hopefully you know give our listeners something that's genuinely meaningful that they can take away i mean the Stompcast is my podcast you know getting outside going for a walk and i I've, i can say i've had your promise that you'll come on the Stompcast, so you've got to stick to it we'll go for a good old stomp and uh, and have a good old uh, chat actually before we even dive into things it's kind of surreal I, I was saying to you that you know we are sat at the moment in in the heart of soho we're in soho studios um uh broadwick street isn't it the street we're on and this very room is where i I recorded lots of episodes, in fact, almost all the episodes of the Waiting Room podcast, which was my first podcast. And we we started that before the pandemic. And actually, when you're allowed or able to come record stuff, we're recording from here, providing updates as to what's going on, Mm -hmm. getting doctors in to kind of share guidance. 
about the pandemic so it's kind of surreal for me to come back here and do yeah, this too, kind like, of nice in a way because you're kind of like okay like you know the, the world has moved on mm. since then we are thankfully in a very different position as to what we were only a few years back yeah a lot has changed definitely in that in that short space of time and Going back, I guess the reason I mentioned the being in the paper and, and my neighbour Ken and, you know, the podcast was listed under under best for motivation. And it made me think about, you know, I use that word a lot and I have in the last mm. few years, you know, motivation for this, motivation to start a business, motivation to uh, run a marathon, whatever it is. And we use that word interchangeably, I think, quite often. And so I guess I wanted to start there and say, you know, Alex, you do so many different things from TV to content on social media to writing books. And we're going to talk about uh, your new book today. You share educational information as a healthcare practitioner, but you also are very candid and honest online and you share your own anecdotal experience, too. So I think I wanted to understand, I suppose, why it is that you that you chose to do that, that you continue to do that, how it's helped others and, and understand your motivation for doing mm, that. Mm. Well, I mean, it's you know when we we talk about we use the example of 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 trying to achieve or do anything in your life and you know starting a podcast go you know traveling around recording with people you know you you record with guests in other parts of the world you've got time zones to think of pre- preparation for that you've got to really care about it if you didn't care about this podcast you wouldn't be doing it four or five years later there's absolutely there's no way there's so much work involved in it it's not just the time we sit here there's so much more work that goes into it so you've got to care and so really for me um i think the reason why i have you know done the things i've done in this space and why i care so much about mental health is is exactly that because because i'm so passionate about it and um, you know, the first book I wrote, Live Well Every Day, the first chapter is about passion and purpose. And the reason it's the first chapter of my first book, which sets kind of, I guess, the the narrative for the rest of the things I talk about, is that passion and purpose is absolutely integral to everything in your life. It doesn't, you know, you can have all the knowledge of all these different ways that you're going to the gym and doing this and you know, all these things about sleep and changes you can make to your lifestyle. But if you don't care, if you don't have a passion, a purpose, a reason to be, nothing else will happen. You won't stick to anything else. So, you know, for me, you know, growing up, you know, I, 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 I really have always enjoyed people. I love people. I love education. I love I love spending time with people. I also kind of like science. And, you know, I kind of saw on TV these doctors and running around and, you know, A&E and those things. And I thought, you know, what? I'd like to be a doctor. Um, but I never really imagined, you know, many of the things that have happened in my life, Love Island being one of them. Um, but, you know, go, coming out of med, you know, med school and going to work in A&E, you know, it quickly became apparent to me how much people do struggle with mental illness in this country the fact that everyone does have mental health and also actually even as a doctor how vulnerable we are mm. as the carers to mental illness and I've struggled with mental illness throughout you know my life so I guess in terms of you know why do I do this stuff why do I you know work so hard in this space you know as I really care about it you know it's it's a, it's my purpose it's my reason to be um, it gets me out of bed in the morning, you know, it gets me excited for the day. And, you know, anyone listening to this, that doesn't, ha- you know, you don't have to be passionate about mental health. You can be passionate about anything in life, you know, whether it's, it could be gardening through to, um, uh, through to uh, artwork, through to, um, you know, working on cars or whatever, being a mechanic. It doesn't matter what you're passionate about. Having a passion is so important. If you can find the thing that you care about, you'll probably be quite good at it mm. and you'll stick at it as well. Yeah. And once you find that, because that, that can be a challenge, can't it? Some people will say, well, great, you've got your passion, you've got your purpose, mm. you know, you know exactly where, you know, your North Star and what you're working towards. I think figuring that out can be difficult. And so if you haven't 
already got this clear idea of okay mm. this is my passion this is my purpose that's also okay and allowing yourself mm. to just try things and go you know what this is something that excites me now this is something that maybe I'm good at people tell me I'm good at that maybe it's a skill that you have and actually over time it can change so much and you might find you know in 10 years or 15 or 20 you might have one kind of consistent thread like for example with myself you know I do lots of different things lots of different things keynote speaking I do this podcast you know I write books I do brand advisory but then I think something I'm passionate about is movement it's physical health it's you know running and exercise Mm. so there's all these different things but the consistent thread throughout it I suppose is communicating storytelling you know asking questions so you can find a thread if someone said well what's your passion and they might be like oh I don't know it doesn't have to be this like real crystal clear thing it could just be that you are an entertainer you entertain your friends and family and you love to Mm. entertain people that could you could do that in so many different ways and as I said it could change right so five years later ten years later you might be exploring something else and it doesn't mean that once you do find your purpose it's this set in stone Mm. thing and you're gonna just that's it eureka everything's sorted I think it's almost um you know I talk um yes in the mind manual but I I talk a lot actually my first book about you know how do you find the the whole chapter how do you find your passion your purpose and often the mistake people make is they try and think of a thing like oh my passion is um you know mental health whatever that's might be what I've come to the conclusion of now but when you're trying to work out what it is it's better to step further back from that and kind of exactly what you said what are the things that get me excited well i like being outdoors i like talking to people i like to generally be up and about moving you know i enjoy that sense of uh, adrenaline maybe and then you kind of and then I advise people get a piece of paper, write down all these keywords that pop up, just things, just characteristics, maybe things about yourself that pop up. And then maybe put a list of things that in your life that might, you know, match with that. It could be your, you could be thinking about your career. You know, if you're sitting and thinking I want a career change, or you know, you're younger than that and you're thinking about what you want to do when you're kind of grown up, whatever that means. And um, that could be a really helpful way of working out what kind of jobs actually correspond to you know the skill sets I have yes but also the things I enjoy and the things that make sense I mean you know I've got ADHD I'm someone that loves getting about moving I generally like to do things that kind of high intensity but then move my attention to different things you know so putting me in and doing 12-hour operations and complex neurosurgery is probably not a great <laughs> idea but sticking me in A&E right running around with 10 different patients different cases heaven a and is heaven to me I loved it you know people might go look through there and hear the noise the sounds the bells going off the shouting the nurse saying we need this doctor we need that you know and think oh my gosh it's chaos it's calm to me mm. it's absolute amongst all of that it's just so calm because it's for my brain it's heaven because that's how my brain works so it's really thinking about you know what makes you you what makes you tick and what are your characteristics that make sense for the things you're going to do and it doesn't always have to be about your job either i mean you know sometimes you know it'd be lovely for us all to have a you know our dream job in reality even your dream job has loads of downsides i could list plenty of things that are really difficult and as i'm certain you could about being in the spaces that we work in it's not all sunshine and roses and so on um you know but having stuff even passions outside of your workspace you know i love music so um one of the things i've been tapping back into is um playing guitar i used to play guitar for eight or nine years i dropped it when i went to med school i haven't played for over a decade and i just started picking up again i love music I was like, Alex, why are you not playing music i really like um i've always wanted to learn to play the piano so i'm 
starting to learn to play the piano. So, you know, think of things, you know, we often talk about our purpose and passions about career, but actually it could be mm-hmm. outside of your workspace. And often you'll find that if you spend time nurturing your passions outside of work, it'll have a fantastic um, knock-on effect mm. to, you know, your day-to-day life. It's exactly, I'm sure you've had people coming in, you will, you're passionate about movement, um, you know, exercise isn't just about what you do in the gym uh, or just about you know, the exercise itself. It's the knock-on effect it has in every single aspect of your life to how productive, to how focused you are, to how good you are in relationships, to you know how you deal with challenging things. I mean, one of the things that going to the gym regularly teaches you is discipline. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the word motivation at the start. Motivation is an important word, but we put too much focus on motivation. Motivation is the initial feeling you get to decide to do something. Like if I if I have no desire to go and exercise, if I have that, none of that initial motivation, then, I'm, then no amount of discipline in the world is going to make it happen because there's no like desire to do it. I'm just not even going to go, go and even think about this. I'm not even going to put the trainers on. But if you have the motivation initially to go, oh, I really want to get into exercise, that wave of motivation that often lasts a few weeks is what gets you initially going. Mm. But what quickly has to take over is discipline. And what discipline teaches you is, 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 is life-changing because when you stick to going to the gym for... A year, two years, three years, what, by sticking to going to that gym and, and practicing that discipline, you are teaching yourself that putting hard work in will get your reward. It's delayed gratification. It's not the kind of like, oh, I eat uh, a chocolate bar and I feel great from just eating that right now. It's not that kind of thing. You go to the gym, you feel tired, you're sweaty, you're like, oh my God, that was hard. You know, Especially at the start when you start training, it's hard work. But that delayed gratification, that sense of achievement over time is incredible. It also teaches you that even when you don't feel like doing something, you still need to do it. And actually, even further than that, even if you don't feel like doing something, you do it, you can still feel good afterwards. I mean, how many times have we, you've, I'm sure you've had the same, oh, I cannot be bothered to go to the gym. It's been such a busy day. Actually, today I've been to Parliament this morning, been back to do therapy, I've been running around back to back doing this. I'm going to go to the gym after. I'd probably be quite tired by the end of it. But I know, because I've proven to myself time and time again, because I've done it and been disciplined, that after I leave that gym, I'll feel fantastic. Mm. So there's a real sense of that, like, put work in and you will get that gratification back out. It might not be right now, but in time you will and it'll impact every part of your life. I couldn't agree with you more, not just on the discipline part around, you know, getting the delayed gratification, getting an end result, but also you said something really powerful there, which was, you know, when you, you have to show up when you don't want to do it. That's a discipline. That discipline that I that you just described that I use when I had to train for the marathon when there was days when I didn't want to go out and run whether it's cold congratulations whether it's that's what I saw you Thank just read that so that is an achievement itself Thank you very much. yeah the discipline how many months did you have to be disciplined over that specifically for training the marathon specifically six months? for the marathon for me it was four and a half months so you, had, you obviously had a high base on fitness and it's still winter. four and a half months of winter four rain, and a half months of horrible. winter yeah and that's also alongside you know like many people who train for the marathon I'm not a professional athlete so my whole week is not scheduled around the training unfortunately I have children I have other other commitments and you have to have this discipline and and the thing that was really powerful when you said you have to do it anyway is that I apply that to other areas of my life so there might be stuff that I don't want to do in my inbox you have to do it anyway there might be things around the house that you can't be bothered to do you have to do it anyway and as a parent you know you kind of say these things to your kids but the discipline required and the discipline that you can learn and cultivate and practice through a physical practice like going to the gym or training for a race does not have to be a marathon or trying to um, master a new yoga pose or lift a new weight 
that discipline, you can honestly take that and apply it to any area of your life. So I couldn't agree more, couldn't have said it better myself. And I'm conscious we could talk about so many things, Alex, but I do want to talk to you about the new book mm-hmm. because like you've written another book and uh, the Mind Manual, Mental Fitness Tools for Everyone. Mm-hmm. And we've started talking a little bit about fitness mm-hmm. already. So I guess my first question for the listeners would be if they see the cover, see the title, what is mental fitness? Sure. I mean, I deliberately have used the word mental fitness because um, we often attribute physical health with physical fitness, something that we can work towards, that we can build, that can get better, that can make us stronger, that can actually help us in every area of our life. We literally just talked about that. Mental mental health, mental fitness is no difference. You can work on your mental fitness. You can build it like a muscle. It can get stronger, more powerful, more capable, faster. And the effects are literally life-changing. And I think that's a mistake we really make. I mean, one of the things that I... I just wish we would stop saying as a mental health affects one in four people. First of all, if you've got a heartbeat and you're listening to this, I'm hoping you do have a heartbeat, you've got physical health. If you've got a heartbeat and your brain is working right now, you've got mental health. All of you have it. You're on that spectrum somewhere. Absolutely you are. And the thing is, is that your position at that spectrum isn't fixed. You're not one in four people on that spectrum. All of you on that spectrum and your position isn't fixed. It's really important to grasp that and it is so important for people that are struggling because you understand that you can get to better days but also do you know what let me be honest with you it's also important for you guys right now that are feeling great and fine that well I don't have mental illness it's not a problem for me because you never know the thing that will change your life and the thing that will come and bite you on the backside is not the thing you're probably worrying about all the time it's the phone call on four o'clock at four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon on a sunny day like happened to me saying this person's died in your life or this thing's happened and suddenly your whole world changes and you're and for me like you know this and I'm referring to the time that I found out my brother died by suicide I fell you know like falling through the sky and you're trying to you know find your anchor points in the days and weeks following that and I was very fortunate. I, I feel in many ways I wouldn't be here if I didn't have the understanding, the tools that I developed over the years of like, right, I know that the fundamentals for me getting myself into anywhere near a better place are these things. Yeah. You know, for me, it was literally, and it still is as true now as it was then, the walk every morning, the 45 minutes to hour walk I do every morning, the cold shower that I get as soon as I get up in the morning, I have my cold shower, I go for my, my walk, I my talking therapy, speaking to people, the sleep, all, all these different things, or having those tools is literally there to not only help you on the difficult or bad days, or even to save you in scenarios like that and try and get you back on track, but it's to maximise your life as well. We all this, want to live a happy life, don't we? Honestly, so just invest yourself in it. Yeah, and I never, I hate to interrupt, but this is exactly where I wanted to mm. go with this because you're so right. I think often the conversation around mental health mm. and mental illness is that we only give it attention when it becomes a problem. So mm. even if you think about you know, our physical health, we're fortunate that we might not go to the doctor unless we have a illness, mm. a complaint, something that's wrong with us. We might then go, I'm going to book an appointment with my GP. And I think that when it comes to mental illness and mental health, exactly that. It's that I don't, you know, I'm, I hope that many listeners of this show may be in a place in their life where they think, I don't have mental illness. They might not describe themselves as having anxiety or experiencing depression. Great, but it doesn't mean that 
uh, you know, often instead of going from not good to good, what about if we could go from good to great? Exactly, and better. That's you know, what I'm all we about. We have, the, the, you know, the most precious thing that we all have on this earth, the most precious thing, the one thing you can't get back is time. That's the most precious thing you have. You have this you know, finite resource that you need to enjoy, that you need to, you know, achieve as much as you can in your life. And I don't mean achieve as like a, a success thing or a productivity thing. Achievement could mean literally finding contentment in your life with your with your family, with the people around you. That could be your sense of achievement. And actually, I would advise it's a pretty good place to start for most people. You know, it, it, it is, life is about living and thriving and enjoying and you know putting being in a position where you can put yourself outside of your comfort zone that you can challenge yourself that you can apply discipline so that you can push yourself to achieve things that you maybe never even dreamed of achieving what i find what i what my what i really hope for people and what i want young people to um you know see and believe and, and to understand as they grow up is that you know you get one shot in life and I know it sounds really cliche but you really get one shot so give yourself the best opportunity of taking that shot and enjoying your life and you know fundamentally you know that book is written for everyone you know I, I really mean that you know and it's, it's actually uh, talking of discipline that's uh, the mind manual 3.0 I've been through that book and I've torn it apart and I've I've gone over it again and pushed harder and harder and harder to get it to where exactly where I want it to be it's been mm. arguably it's a lifetime in the making and mm. it's my experience together with all the, the science that's put in a way that's usable for people and genuinely uh, can be used in, in day-to-day -day, uh, uh, life but it, you know also the book really is is it's there for anyone who just you know wants to get the most out of their life and their day so don't look at that book in my mind oh that's for me if i'm struggling or that's for me if i'm a bit meh it's for you if you've got mental health and, mm. and you do you've yeah, all got exactly. it you know, live a better life live a happier life live a life that you're you know less afraid you know i want to you know i talk about a lot of things people think oh God, that's odd i've got a whole chapter on failure my failure is literally your best friend if you learn to fail well damn you'll be successful mm. you know if you want to be successful in life learn to fail you know it's like the thing of um we talk about you know oh and there's no losers in a race at school why do we do that oh my you gosh. know why do we do that to our children <laughs> you've got 10 kids racing there's a first person there's a last person yeah. and it teaches them a lot so the person that's winning probably learns the least actually because when you win you don't challenge yourself and mentally or question or go over things the reasons why you won as much as why you failed can i caveat mm. that though mm. sorry again i'm interrupting you which mm. i hate to do as a no, host no, no. but there's so much in sorry, here i'm just, talk and talk. no i'm jumping in because we oh my gosh so firstly i'm nodding my head because mm. i definitely agree and it's mm. quite a divisive thing and mm. people say to me especially as i turn mm. up at the mum's race mm. and i'm not afraid to say mm. that mm. i'm pretty competitive yeah. at the mum's race but back to the sports day i think it's this yeah this analogy and this idea that you know there's a first and there's a last and kind of taking that away and mm. diminishing that you know people can't fail and I'm not gonna mm. Uh, mm. say any more on that the only caveat I'd say about the first place thing is that people as you said then maybe mm. coming first you learn the least mm. the only caveat I'd say about that is that for some children um, in the school experience mm. especially you know here in the UK they might not thrive in any other environment mm. or on any other day mm. so they might not get an A, they might mm. not get 10 out of 10 on mm. the spellings, they might not be good at maths. To celebrate not... achievement, absolutely. Yes, that might be the yeah. only day where they actually learning, go... To celebrate. Oh, yes, and we should I, use... I did and it, it's great. exactly that point. So by saying that everyone's finished race, oh, no, it's fine, you're, you're taking it away from that person who first. Mm. Celebrate. And what I was going to say is really, really important. Because people go, oh, yeah, but that's really unfair and the person comes last. It isn't, because I'll tell you two things. First of all, it well, the question it makes that person ask themselves, right, I came last, right, do I care? 
do I care about this? If I don't care and I don't want to get better, I've already learned something from this because this is not for me. I'm not into mm. sports races. Maybe actually I'm into engineering. Maybe I'm into art. Maybe I'm into writing and music. Maybe I'm not. In, why am I stood here on the sports pitch? I don't care about it. Or they go, damn, I'm last. And I really care. Now I'm going to work so hard to get there. My God, that person end up first. You know, I, I, and I, 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 I was that kid, you know, in a different way. I um, applied to med school the first time round, round and I got my place, went through the application, got to do exams, specifically med school. There's 25 applications for every place, got to do interviews. It's hard. Mm. There's no getting away from that. I got my place at Liverpool, got to results day and I missed out by my A grade in chemistry by two marks. I had three A's and a B. So I, my fourth A, I missed up by two marks out of, I needed 480 out of 500, I missed up by two marks. I was absolutely devastated. And they said, no, you can't come in, you've missed up by two marks. I had to question myself and say, what do I do now? My mum sat me down that evening and said, what are you going to do? Do you want to just take a clear in place, do something else? Do you want to scrap it or do you want to go again? I said, ma'am, I really, really want to be a doctor. I, am, I, I, I remember sitting there and she was crying, we were crying. Said, I'm not giving up, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to do it. So I reapplied, I sorted out my coursework, I got a place and I came out with a distinction mm. for med school. So that failure made me genuinely question, mm. do you actually care? And if you care, you already know now you've got to work twice as hard. And that is one of the biggest reasons why I think trying to make everyone appear they win all the time you're actually you're stealing them you're robbing children away from the opportunity of learning about how amazing failure is mm. you know when you achieve off the back of failure because even if you are the kid that comes first all the time you're not going to come first there's always going to be someone faster than you stronger than you yep. and you're going to have to elevate yourself and do yep. better and challenge you're going to fail at some point and if you but can harness failure it's amazing it's, it's amazing. incredibly powerful hearing your story saying that especially you know you sat down and went no i really want to be a doctor i'm i'm not going to quit mm. and do you think that partly your personality there was something in eight because i often talk about this you know mm. nature nurture because i'm probably a similar vein mm. to yourself whereas i'll set myself a goal and if i fail you best believe we go again <laughs> yeah, yeah. But some people that. that isn't in that. them and they fa failure can it can crush them, it can make them think, you know what, I never want to feel this feeling again and mm. I'm never going to put myself out there again, I'm never going to step up to the start line again, I'm never going to feel this humiliation or mm. this crushing weight of... And, and one failure for some people can define years of never, ever trying because they're so afraid. So, yeah, do you think it is like a nature... Like, where does that come from mm. to see and experience a failure and for it to fuel you instead of destroy mm. you? I, and I think the sad truth of it is that, in reality... A lot of people don't achieve their potential because of fear of failure. I had a, um, I had this professor when I started, I graduated in 2015, I started working at King's College Hospital, which was my dream hospital. And actually, I um, when I was at med school, it's off tangent, but I used to have a printed picture of King's College Hospital, which people might have remember or have heard of as being one of the first hospitals with 24 hours in A&E, the show. And I had it printed and stuck on my wall because I'm a big billy. I love affirmation. I've got tattoos and stuff with different quotes. I love affirmations. I like things that remind me why it matters and I looked there every day as I'm going to work in that place and I'm going to get there and it, that really that really motivated me but when I when I got there and I worked there one of the first jobs I did was care of the elderly it's looking after elderly people and there was a professor there who was who was um who's a patient and he was at the end of his life you know we don't like talking about death in the UK for some reason I tell you what none of us get out of this alive so I tell you what you know it's an odd concept really that's a separate conversation but anyway he said to me Alex and he's a very very smart guy um, he said to me, Alex, I just want to say something to you. I really want, I just feel I want to tell you something as I'm, you know, sat here now and, you know, I'm in my final kind of weeks. He said, um, you know, I'm not sat here regretting the things that I did in my life. 
you know, with a very few exceptions, said, I'm regretting the things I didn't do. And specifically, I didn't too because I was afraid. I was afraid of being embarrassed, of looking silly, of failing or people judging me or what people thought. And that has always really stuck with me. That has really stuck with me because people often don't do things, not because they don't want to, or because they don't care, but because they're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid of what people might think, their judgment. What if I look silly? Like, oh, I don't want to go and play guitar on stage because people might think I'm rubbish. You know, it, it's it's really, really sad. And, and I think so much of that is part of the narrative that we build in school, that you know, everyone needs to be perfect. It's all about getting the top marks. It's all about, actually, you know, if you, if you listen to some of the best you know, musicians in the world or it's the best sports athletes, you, you know, you talk to Cristiano Ronaldo, which unfortunately I'm not able to talk to him. Um, but if you if you were able to talk to Cristiano Ronaldo, he'd probably tell you, you know, how many times he's missed free kicks and done it over and over and over and over again to practice to get there and accepted yeah. the fact that he's going to fail over and over. And, and, I, and I really do feel a lot of people struggle with that. But to your question, which I've gone around uh, around the houses answering, um, I think part of it is is innate. Part of it is our genetics. We're all we all have personality traits. If you look at a litter of puppies, they'll have be different personalities from the very moment you know look at a litter of puppies you can say that's a quiet one that's a cheeky one that's you know so i think there is that but it is absolutely a huge amount of it is nurture you know my mum as i grew up um i've had I diagnosed ADHD in my 30s, but I was definitely very different at school. Um, school wasn't an easy time uh, in many ways because of my ADHD, and I you know, just wasn't diagnosed. But mum always used to say to me at night, she said, Alex, every night she said this, all the way to I was 18, which used to really annoy me as a teenager, mm-hmm. Alex, you can achieve anything you want in life as long as you put your mind to it. And imagine, she said that to me every single night for eight, like, well, 18, as long as I can remember, 16, 17 years, said that every night to me, it's going to sink in. Mm. Um, and so I really do feel that that resilience of like, you know what, whenever I get pushed back, I push on. And I'm still like that now. I mean, you know, I'm trying to achieve stuff in government. I'm trying to get funding for mental health, the mental health space. There's loads of things to do all the time that I fail at, but I, it just makes me more determined. Yeah. I think that's yeah. very much like you as yeah. well. You're just like, no, come on, yeah. push on. But you can learn for that. Very, yeah, you can very... learn that. Everyone can, everyone can learn yeah. that. You know, it doesn't matter if you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, you don't have to continue repeating the same thing mm. than before. Resilience could be built. The whole reason I wrote the book is because I believe people can develop. You mm-hmm. can learn these things. You can expose yourself to through, through to situations you can fail all the time. If you want to build resilience mentally and learn how to fail, go and do salsa dancing. If you've never danced before, go and do salsa lessons for 10, 12 weeks. Go and learn to sing. Do something so random you've never done before and you'll build so much confidence in the fact that, do you know what, I went and did that. I had no idea. Tripped and fell over but I got better. And do you know what? I'm still alive. Yes. Oh, I love to hear it. And and also as a mother, it's nice to hear because I'll be honest with you, I feel like, imagine being my son. Imagine mm. being my son, the things you must have to hear. <laughs> and he just kind of, I feel like it goes over his head and he probably goes, yeah, mum, I know. You can do hard things. Yeah, I know. In action. But because he's kind of used to it, but actually that maybe, maybe you did it that. Sinks maybe in. you're, maybe I you did it the whole of my, the and... whole, I remember saying to my mum once, please, mum, you said that. And he used to go, <laughs> I know, I can do, anything. you can imagine, 10 year old me being like I, know, I used to do it every night but do you know what it worked and yeah. I still to this day well I'm 32 and I still yeah. I can put myself back yeah. into that oh, bunk it's... bed and hear her saying it to me yeah. well it's nice to hear as a mother Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business like that let's put it online and see what happens stage and the site is live that we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. So that's, a, that's an example, I suppose, of a positive influence, you know, real great example of very close relationship to you. But of course, in the world, we also have lots of influence that might not be so good for us. And so when it comes to, you know, I do Q&As, as I'm sure you do at the end of, of keynotes, and people often say to me, oh, you know what? I loved when you said this. I loved when you said that. However, mm. what about this, Adrienne? What about... I don't know, my boss who's mm. really, really, you know, I don't think my boss likes me, really challenging, doesn't listen to my ideas, talks over me, makes me feel bad and makes me feel insecure. What about the fact that I'm really busy, I've got kids, there's all these external factors that mm. are influencing my mood, my ability to do my work, they might be influencing my mental health, my physical health, my relationships and often it's not as easy to say to people, okay, do these three steps, you do these things, that's you know what I try to do, give people practical advice, do these things and then they say to me, but what about if mm. my partner's holding me back or what mm. about if you know that boss example so yeah i guess over to you when it comes to outside influence that can cause external stress mm. or or you mentioned you know traumatic life events these external things are going to impact our mental health and well-being so yeah any advice for anyone who might be listening thinking yes aha that's me right now well you know there's a good reason you know why we call i also describe the mind manual as, uh, as uh, using the words fitness because fitness needs hard work and it needs exercise and at the back of the book I've got work sec working sections and one page which I think applies to so much to the points you've raised is a section where I've got a blank piece of paper with a circle in it and that circle is the sphere of influence and my so it's often you learn a lot of these things you know not necessarily from journals and all these kind of or you know you don't necessarily learn it from papers you learn it from experience you have in your life and I remember one of my best friends dad um, talking about um, stress when we were younger I can't remember why I think I was worrying about an exam result and he said Alex think about the sphere of influence draw a circle on a piece of paper and write everything in that circle that you can control in you know inside the circle and anything that's outside of your control outside of the circle and it's such a powerful tool because you realize very quickly what are the things that I can control and what are the things that I can't because when you're lying if you're like me and you know you, uh, you 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 have to manage anxiety or you're something you're working on you know the night time when you go to bed you start worrying things we all know it the, the brain starts going and it's off oh gosh thinking about that again what is it in your life that you can control? Hmm. Control the controllables. Learn to let go of the things that you can't control. And one of, a really powerful thing, and you go, oh gosh, I've done a sphere of influence, I've written the stuff inside and outside, but I'm still worrying. When you're starting to worry, worry, and usually it'll be nighttime because that's when we're most quiet, get a piece of paper, write down the date at the top, write down uh, the, the brain dump, and I want you to write down every single thing you're worrying about and write yes or no as to whether you can do something about it right now. Right now, yes or no. I mean, literally, like picking up the phone and do something right now. Yes or no. All right? And go through that whole list. Sign the bottom with a big smiley face at the bottom, knowing that in the morning, you, you, you've enacted something that you need to do right now. So maybe you're worrying because you spoke to your mum and you're a bit rude to your mum and you think, well, actually, no, I should call her back. You know, call her back and, you know, do say, something. I'm sorry. Do something about it, right? But if it's something like, oh, I've done my exam yesterday and I'm waiting for my results next week, you cannot do anything about that. So mentally sign off the bottom of that page. You've done everything that you can do right now. In the morning, wake up, pick up that piece of paper and say, is there anything today? You know, this morning that I can put at the top of the list that I can do to solve some of these problems. Little things like that, they sound like small things, but if you stick at those things, you will retrain your brain to to think in a different way. Don't forget that the human brain 
hasn't changed in thousands like such a we, we, we haven't really evolved at all your brain has a negative bias because that's protective and it wants to be comfortable those are two real common traits of all brains so if you think about um you know uh, any situation that's uncomfortable like going salsa dancing that i mentioned earlier on it's thinking oh gosh i'm gonna be really bad at that because there's no evidence in your brain that you're good at it there might be evidence you tripped up when you tried to dance once when you'd had a few drinks and a night out but there's no evidence you're good at it so it automatically negative bias the other thing it says will i be comfortable well no it's a new situation i'm not going to be comfortable in that situation so it's going to avoid it so learning techniques like that to change your mindset is really really helpful but you know if you're if you're worried about things like you know your relationship your boss you know a lot of those conversations and there's a whole chapter on, on boundaries in the mind manual come down to boundaries mm. have you created authentic boundaries in your life or have those boundaries been broken? Have they been stepped across by other people? Or have you actually been blurred with your boundaries? You've mm. not actually drawn a line in the sand about how you expect your boss to treat you, how you expect them to speak to you, times that they should be contacting you and times when it's out of the time, you know, the working day or the weekends. Have you set up boundaries with your boyfriend? Have you maybe actually found that your boyfriend, you met this person, suddenly you've kind of drifted along, you know, you've got on the train and it's kind of just gone on and you've just been on board with this person. You haven't decided, do I want to be with them or not. So again, it comes down to that sphere of influence. Mm. Did you actually do something in your sphere of influence to control the situation? Well, actually, it is in your sphere of influence if you're with this person. Do you want to be with them or not? Make mm. a decision in your sphere of influence. I really, really like that. I think two things to add. One is that the taking action part, mm. if anyone missed that, it's not just, okay, can you do something about this, yes or no? But if the answer is yes, mm. and you continue to not do yes. it, and you continue to worry yes. about the same thing week after week, or maybe you moan about it to a friend, or maybe you think about it, or if it's on the list day after day, you have to take action. You have to do something, as you described. Which Inaction can be... is action. Yes, Not doing something is a choice. Yep. You know, if it, we just had to delay gratification, didn't we? What would future Alex say if he knew? And if you know, you sometimes we go, oh, I don't want to break up with that person because right now that's going to be. Let's think of the the brain again. Negative mindset. Maybe it'd be a mistake. Maybe maybe I should stay with her. Maybe, what's the evidence that actually I'll be happier without a negative mindset? Comfortable. Actually, it's more comfortable right now to stay in this relationship. Leaving this relationship right now causes discomfort. But what will future Alex? Well, future Alex might thank you mm. for taking action right now. Yep. There's this so I have so commonly have my friends, people around me who talk about it, particularly with things like relationships, and they just completely misunderstand or, you know, they don't see perhaps sometimes that not doing something mm -hmm. is a big choice. Yes, exactly. Doing nothing is a terrible inaction, choice. Yep. Inaction is a choice, inaction is a risk. And the second thing to add, so firstly taking action. Second thing to add is that within your as you call it, sphere of influence. I think people need to challenge themselves to add more things. So, for example, they might say, well, these are the things I can control, and there's three things. And I would say to them, well, there's far more things you can influence, your mindset, your mood, your, your for example, what are you listening to today? What music are you listening to? What podcast are you listening to? What people are you listening to when you have conversations? What food are you eating today? Are you eating food that's nourishing you? Are you eating food that's giving you, you know, sugar spikes, caffeine, all the rest of it? Uh, what uh, I don't know what these small things that people might not consider to be choices to be actions to be things that can influence and control their life the small things are 
the big things. The small things yeah. are everything. So true. Like when you're saying, I'm just thinking as you're speaking there, like a good example of that is of inaction. Inaction is like, well, you know that you're often tired and irritable, but then you constantly go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, sit on your phone scrolling, listen to triggering things, look at triggering things, and then get up really early in the morning and don't get enough sleep, don't have enough quality sleep, but then feel bad and you're not doing anything to change that. That is a good example of inaction, isn't it? You do, you know, that, again, you know, there's, there's, I'm not going to keep going back and forth, uh, you know, talking about the book per se, but, you know, the, that there's a reason why I've gone back to a lot of the things that are fundamental to to health because those are the things we can do something about. You know, there's a lot of. Um, I actually watched a recent series um, with Chris Hemsworth and the yeah, Limitless mm -hmm. uh, on Disney, and then it's all about longevity. And it's a really interesting area of science because you know it's it's it's, it's essentially how do we live a longer. Uh, and, and good quality life. So it's the two things, it's length of life, but quality of life. And actually, you know, probably for the last 20 years, we've been doing too much of the, well, it's down to genetics, it's all down to your genetics. Actually, what we know now is, yes, you are given these set of genes, this, this DNA, this blueprint, but actually what you do in your life can switch on or switch off certain aspects of that DNA of that blueprint and actually you can mitigate and more so many parts of that you know uh, there are obviously things like for example for breast cancer we know there's a gene called the BRCA gene which if you have that and you're uh, unfortunate enough then you know, it's much more likely you're going to get breast cancer because of that you know I'm not necessarily I'm not talking about those specific things but I'm talking in in general when you look at things the main causes of death in life which are you know uh, cardiovascular disease, strokes, cancer, um, and so on. Those are all factors that we can, although not completely negate the risk of, we can massively reduce the risk of. Mm. Look at dementia. The number, what they're saying now, the number one way to reduce the risk of dementia is to exercise. Mm -hmm. It is the number one way to, other than uh, uh, stopping uh, smoking as a, as a big one, you know, but in terms of positive health changes, mm. exercise and movement, we all can choose to move more, can't we? You yeah, know, and I think absolutely. Limitless was a great uh, example of that. I mean, it took things to extreme, you know, jumping in the Antarctic and swimming, you know, that's probably not achievable. I'd actually argue for a lot of people having a cold water ice thing outside and you're, you know, you, if you're fortunate to have an outside space to be able to run this thing and have ice water going all year round is just not realistic for most people. But most people can turn their shower on to cold for 30 seconds, mm -hmm. which is what I do every morning. Every morning, I'm so disciplined with it. I start with a hot shower, 30 seconds, I count to 30 mm -hmm. uh, in the shower. Um, so Alex, it's not you're exact. jumping ahead of me. You're jumping ahead Sorry, of me. Sorry, no, but, okay. but, but, but it's that kind of thing. It's like you, you take the ways that you can do it realistically in your life and be disciplined with it mm. sometimes I re I'm like oh do you know I really don't want a cold shower this morning but every day regardlessly mm. it's going cold and if yeah. I feel that I don't want to I sometimes even add 10 seconds oh wow okay well we're gonna like, get come as on. I said we're gonna yeah. get into it we're gonna dive into your your morning and your power hour that's mm. we are, you know it has sorry to I'm driving ahead with <laughs> it's the okay hour. it's okay yeah. but you know firstly I love what you said about the um, life longevity mm. piece I think and it's so powerful for people to understand that as you just described if you are told if you've accepted if you've heard that you know you know we all get the cards that we get and you get the genes that you get and you kind of just surrender to this mm. life that will be what it will be that for me I feel like ugh, I, my entire life mm. has essentially been the antidote of that it's been me yeah. saying I have influence in my life I have control I have agency I have power and I don't know a psychologist might say not healthy either but <laughs> I feel like understanding that you have choice yeah. and you have agency and those small choices like 
what we eat, whether we exercise. And, you know, let's not berate people. We've all probably stayed up too late sometimes watching TV or we've all had too many glasses of wine. But knowing that you have the power to make small change that can lead to big change that could essentially not only mm. make your the quality of your life better, but as you just said, the, mm. extend the length of your life. Mm. It's literally that powerful. So, yeah, I hope you will hear that. I hope you will feel excited by this conversation, mm. by Alex's energy, because I certainly am, to actually, yeah, leave this conversation and take some action and think, yeah, actually, I can influence the outcomes mm. of my entire life. It's pretty powerful stuff. Now, the power hour. That's you dived the, uh, in and you sorry, took us there. Sorry, it's sorry. absolutely fine. But on the show, at the end of the show, which, I mean, I'm not sure how mm. long we've got left, but I like to ask every guest what time they wake up in the morning typically i like to ask them what they do with the first hour of their day which i call the power hour i like to ask them if there's anything that they try to avoid in that hour like why are these people whoever they are whether it's a doctor like yourself whether it's an olympic athlete whether it's a business founder whether it's an author why are these people waking up in the morning stepping out of bed and doing what they do for that first hour. So over to you. Tell us the first hour. What's it all about? Do you know what? It, one of the most important things for everyone, everyone is is routine. And even people go, oh, I hate routine. I hate routine. I can tell you one thing. Your body and your mind loves routine. Humans are meant to have routine. We've got a clock in our body called the circadian rhythm. A zero hour set and the 24 hour clock of when you should sleep, when you should be awake. Your cortisol levels that are, you know, that are high, that, that spike in, in the morning to get us up and out of bed and then drift lower in the day to make us tired and sleepy our body runs off routine so the first thing i've got to say to you is routine does matter and when it comes to sleep you know as much as you know on a friday night i know i'm going to stay up and go out with friends and hang out with them fine but the, you do have to understand that that is with the consequence that it will affect your sleep we can't get perfection there's no such thing you've got to live your life but as best as you can try and keep the same routine for me um i set an alarm every morning 6 30 that's my start time get up straight away um snoozing is not good for anyone there's loads of science now matthew walker talks about it um that uh, snoozing isn't great actually for our sleep and we feel like we're gaining time but actually it messes with our sleep cycle so when your alarm goes off up get up so i get up I, t I allow my dog out for a quick wee so roller goes out for a wee uh, then i jump in the shower um i have a warm shower at first and then I do 30 seconds of that cold uh, cold water and the reason I do it and don't have an ice bucket or whatever is I live in London it's just mm. not practical to have an ice bucket it's also too warm most of the year round and I'm not funding a ice machine thing keeping it cool all the time so you know that's what I mean you know a lot of the time I think it's it's asking yourself okay I could get an ice bucket thing for a bath are you actually going to use that are you going to traipse your way outside is it likely well actually if i'm in the shower it's literally the twist of this nozzle mm. that's going to turn it cold it's a it's there's way less barriers or put it another way it's way less likely that i'll opt out of doing it yep. so 30 seconds of that cold water you um how long have you been doing the 30 seconds cold i've been doing it religiously and strictly for the last kind of year and a half um what are the kind of i guess immediate and longer term benefits that mm. you've experienced so yourself? In interestingly and for those a lot of people might already know about this so i'm sorry if i'm repeating it but the re fundamentally the reason uh, the cold water works and actually heat can work really well but actually we find that if you go to extremes of heat you can burn your skin and so on whereas cold water doesn't have that necessary that effect immediately on your skin 
What cold water does is that it tells the body or tricks the body into thinking it's in pain. When we're in pain, we release endorphins. Endorphins are, are actually not for making us feel good. That's not the primary role. Endorphins actually are painkillers. It allows you, when you're running your marathon, you're getting that endorphin hit. Your brain is basically trying to say to you, no, 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 keep going, keep going. There's not that much pain. Keep running. You're you know, chasing something or whatever. Um, the secondary effect is the boost in the mood. So that is that is one of the big parts. And that's why when you get out of the, you know, you get the numbing. That's why you kind of say 30 to seconds to a minute in cold water you get the numbing effect you notice it's cold at first you numb and then you get this elation and that is your endorphins uh, doing its thing so that's the kind of immediate effect but in the in the long term what we what we know is that there are there are biochemical effects so part of it's linked to like serotonin and dopamine it's believed that you can double even triple your dopamine levels your reward hormone and your brain so that sense of fulfillment is there but there's also um a big part of it's a psychological impact that you've done something immediately in your day you've overcome this challenge you know you are challenged with yes or no do i want to go and stand in this cold water that's uncomfortable yes or no by doing so and standing there you have overcome and defeated your first challenge of the day so a big part of what psychologists talk about is that by doing it first thing in the morning you have already won at something regardless of everything else goes wrong in your day you've won you've already done something you didn't want to do and you achieved it so it makes me feel amazing i jump out of the shower um and then i get changed um i grab a coffee on the way out the house um caffeine is really important to me um i have uh, adhd and i'm someone with adhd that's responsive to caffeine so for those that um that don't know or want to know a little bit more um uh, adhd attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a um is a dopamine deficit disorder. What that means is that there are not the levels of dopamine in the brain, that reward hormone that there is for those that are neurotypical. And therefore we seek um, dopamine out in our activities. We have up highs and lows a lot, and you can find that your attention jumps back and forth. So caffeine works very similarly actually to some of the medications but to a much lesser extent in that it actually causes like a raised level of dopamine. So it works on part of the brain essentially that that boosts the level of dopamine therefore causes a calming effect. So whereas a lot of people drink um, caffeine and feel buzzing, um, I will drink it and feel calm. Feel focused. So that really helps me focus. I walk out the house and I do my 45 minute ideally an hour walk with my dog every single morning. And if I don't do that, it ruins my day. I'd go as far as saying that it is so important to every aspect of my life, to my productivity. Some of the best ideas I've had, including some of the worst, <laughs> have been while out walking. It sets me at peace for the day. I'm ready to go. I feel grounded. I feel with nature. Like it, it is so important. I was in Spain a few weeks ago, and um, you know how it is when you're away. Sometimes you know I wasn't somewhere that I could go walk. My routine was knocked, and it was just that first hour of my day, that power hour of my day, that was completely out of sync. And it, it, it ruined my trip. To me. It ruined my, and it sounds really extreme, but it, ru- it ruined my days. Mm-hmm. I just felt so unsettled and I felt so out of kilter because that first hour was ruined. Mm. Yeah, that's really, no, I, I can completely understand, actually. I, I have been, you know, the reason I started the show, the reason I wrote the book, the reason I wanted to find out what mm. do other people kind of value this as much as I do mm. because the power hour and, you know, morning routine has been so, so impactful mm. for my life. And actually today, I started today with a walk um, with my husband. And I think, you know, at this time of the year, we're finally, finally, oh, gosh, it's been it's so glorious. grey, hasn't it? And so dull and mm. so cold. And I mean, honestly, my poor husband has, has had 
had to listen to me moan about the cold through yeah, the entire yeah, winter, yeah. especially with the marathon draining. Oh my so God. now it's the like the worst winter to train. Actually, oh, you actually have. I moaned every day. So now that the sky is blue, it's getting warmer. It's literally the best time for people to kind of, mm. you know, if they haven't got a morning routine or if they used to. Sometimes people go, "Oh, I used to have a morning routine," but you know, now life gets in the way, busyness. If this week you open the curtains and you set the alarm and you say, mm. "Actually, I'm going to get up." lace up and go for a walk mm. start your power hour with a walk honestly post marathon you know recovery and all the rest of it i'm not running as much this week which is why i thought i, I was just so keen to get out yeah. and i was like actually should we just go for a walk yeah. and we walked for an hour and we chatted and it was great and you come back you know i think we probably left about probably we we're probably walking a similar time to you because i think when we got back at the mm. house it was like 10 to 8 and i thought great i'm ready to start my day you know it wasn't the same as doing a run but it was it was beautiful and it was calm and it was just yeah it was really nourishing and so I'd encourage the listeners this time of the year trust me when you're listening to Power Hour in November I'm still telling you to you know make the morning count but right now is definitely the easiest there's a time. Sen- there's that sense of achievement again isn't it? You did a walk you've achieved something again I mean there's that, that famous um, captain that I, you see his YouTube video it's one of the watch YouTube videos of all time I understand it's saying make your bed in the morning because you know if you achieve anything in your day if you've made your bed and you've had an awful day you'll still come back to that first success of the of the day and i think going out for a walk is it, it is exactly that and people go you know i started the stompcast off the premise that i believe that going out and walking can change your life right and some people go oh come on alex you know i'm struggling and all these things are happening how's how's walking going to make a difference how's walking going to help me well what i would say is yeah you're right you know going for a walk is not going to change or you know solve all the problems in your life but i tell you what there's not many problems that are made worse by going for a walk so it's worth a shot mm-hmm. and and sticking at it for time you know if you go for a walk every morning and you can get you know even 20, 30, 40 minute walk every morning, you're going to live longer because your risk of cardiovascular disease is lower. You're less likely to suffer from dementia. You're more likely to be productive. If you're walking, you're likely to be around nature. So even in a city, you know, I live in, in the centre of London. I'm still able to find a park and to walk in that park. Being around nature is amazing for your mental health. You're probably going to benefit from it. And do you know what? Yeah, it doesn't solve those problems. But I bet you at the end of a walk, you'll have better clarity of mind about how you're going to deal with the problems than at the start of the walk when you're feeling maybe flustered just got up and you're worried about things get out the house go for a walk and start your day on the front foot absolutely couldn't have said it better myself and you know the alternative as we know inactivity is such a problem it's such a problem and i think people underestimate don't they when they think about exercise unless it's a run or unless it's sweating in the gym but you know walking you know i have a a stat actually from a recent guardian article Mm. from march 2023 which says that exercise is 1.5 so one and a half times more effective than medication and talking therapy for the treatment of depression Mm. now of course you know this this study looked at uh, the data was taken from over 120,000 people you know I know we see these headlines Mm. all the time and often people will say well where's the data and Mm. you know it was was an aggregate of a lot of work but it's so impactful and I think exactly what Mm. you just described just walking just walking you know you know you talk Mm. about it on the podcast it doesn't have to be a run doesn't have to be a marathon but walking every day well you know the thing is you take the example right you went out for a walk with your husband you probably talked about things maybe even discussed things that you've got to get done or whatever in that time or you know i walk out go out for the house with my dog and go for a walk and yeah that is maybe seen as exercise but also what happens when i'm walking is i bump into the same person people that go and walk their dogs every day Mm. i say hello i have a chat with them there's the same people that are usually working each day behind the coffee shop shop behind the counter and I have a good chat with them and so the exercise also leads to other things like one of the biggest challenges we have is loneliness we know that loneliness is worse for your health than 15 cigarettes a day it it literally kills loneliness a very very serious problem 
I exercised by going for a walk, yes, but I also made myself more connected to the world around me, which is important to counteract loneliness, but I also connected with other people as well. So in a way, that is therapy. And actually, I'd argue, I'd be like, you know, well, exercise is therapy. It mm. literally is medication. You are literally doing something that is causing a medicinal effect in your brain. You're, it's it's so incredible. Exercise is a, it is, if you could, if I said, to, if you had a company or a pharmaceutical company that said, right, we're going to sell this pill that you that you you take each day and that it'll help your heart be stronger you'll live longer you'll be more connected you'll be more confident in yourself you're less likely to have dementia you're less likely to have mental illness you've oh my god what is this drug well that drug is exercise it literally is exercise it is incredible and is powerful for every aspect of life and again going back to what we said right at the start it's not just about it's not about illness if you want to live a happier more effective life be a better boyfriend be a better husband better be a better father be better at work then engage and invest in yourself. Yes, exercise, all of the different aspects of your health. Invest in yourself because you will have a better time. And as we said at the start, time is finite. It is the most valuable, precious thing that you have. And the thing thing as well about time, unlike most other things in your life, is that we don't know how much we have. You know, you, when you take, um, it's very powerful, um, when you take a, um, uh, a clock timer and you, you, you flip it round and the sand starts dropping. The thing is about that timer is you know how much sand is, 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 is going to come, how much sand you've got, and you've seen how much sand has gone. And in the middle, that narrow bottleneck is the present, isn't it? Yep. But the truth is, is that in the reality of life, we have no idea how much sand is above that bottleneck. You have no idea. You know, no one, very few people go out each day. Anyone really goes out to the house each day thinking it's going to be a last day, but one day it will. Yep. Uh, and I thought that I got a tattoo. It says Memento uh, Mori, and uh, it, it, it means you two are going to die. You two shall die. And it sounds yep. negative, but it's the most beautiful thing because the beauty of life is that you are not going to be here forever. So make it, make it a good story. Yes. Thank you, Alex. And on that note of time, I often say it's the most valuable thing you can give to another person. So thank you for giving all of the listeners of the show an hour of your time. I really hope they've enjoyed it as much as I have. No, thank you. I feel feel very grateful. I've enjoyed it as well. It's just a transfer of energy, isn't there, with these so kind of much conversations? Energy, I feel and I. positive, feel energetic, and yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you're up for coming on the Stompcast. We'll have some good fun. Definitely. Thank you so much, everyone, as always, for tuning in and supporting and sharing the podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy listening to this conversation, please do share it with them and tune in next week because I will be back with another episode. Bye, Alex. Take care. Goodbye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.